um, well, well, when when uh, when Doc over here said that we was um, Doctor Dyson was saying that uh, uh, I have a brother in prison. It wasn't my my blood brother. It was a friend brother, and I wrote a couple of friends, and I wrote about them on a song called "One Love" on my first record, and um, it he was a, it resonated with him because he has a his his real blood brother who's behind the wall, been there for years. And it just seems like, um, you know, of course we all know the, the problems is, is out of hand with, you know, the amounts of blacks, Latinos, and poor whites that are thrown in jail and not given a chance to get out. In New York alone, at least 46,000 a year get locked up, which is probably the highest in the nation, that the most of them are 16 and 17 years old and are charged as adults for the most part. And you know, it's, it's really like um, a railroad system, man, where um, we, we know how, how easy it is to be profiled. We know what we're up against. When I was 15, 16, we were hearing that most black men won't make it to be 25. So we were kind of like on a hurry up process, get it now, get money now, live now, have kids now, everything now, because tomorrow is not promised in, in the situation that we was in. And the more you're out there and you feel like uh, it's us against them, then the more defiant, the more enraged, the more um, trapped you feel. So what do things that are trapped do? They react. You know, you back something in the corner, it reacts. And then it, we build up our own form of thinking that, that's like, fuck the world. And at that point, it's almost a point of no return. And once we've, that's clicked in our minds, it's hard, it's hard to pull us back and tell, to say that the American dream is out there for you. You, you can change up, yo, chill. No, once you made it in your mind that the world, that you were dealt a bad hand, you're going all out. So I had a big problem trying to pull a lot of my friends into the music business because this is the only thing I had. You know, I was 20 years old getting in the music business. I'm like, all 30 of y'all, come on. <laughs> get, on get on the bus with me, the hotel rooms, let's go. And, and it didn't work. It didn't work. But um, I tried what I could try and what I could try at the time. And now that um, I got older, I started to think like, well, I'm, I'm going a little outside of that. Um, I was like, I was trying to come up with some solutions to bring back to the block. Um, one thing that should have been really strong on our minds was business. This is America. This is capital, capitalism at its finest. This is business. So we're doing everything besides legal business. We're not caring too much about if America's saying stop complaining, get off your ass, black guys, and make something yourself, then it's like, for me, I'm like, okay, then let's, let's start teaching the little dudes on, and little women on the block business, uh, money management, and, and entrepreneurship. Right, right. This is what the American dream is. And, right. and we don't have any more time to waste. Right. There's no more time to play around. We have to literally, literally go back on the block with a plan and with people and that, with that expertise to come down there and show them business, business modules and, and show them um, how they can get into computer programming, um, get into um, real estate, get into engineering, get into all the things that are making a lot of money, all the things that are making this country better. We can do it. It just needs to be cool. It needs to feel like it's something cool. It needs to feel like, all right, we tried this. Watch the movie Scarface. You know how that's going to end, right? <laughs> we know how that ends. So, so if we know how that ends, let's put pause on that for a minute, and let's introduce a whole new way of, of winning. And I haven't figured it out yet, but I, I have to, we have to figure out something because at the rate that young blacks, Latinos, and poor whites are thrown in jail is outrageous. So we got to think of something, and we don't have time. 
Oh, that's, yeah. that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, wow. You know, uh, I, I think about, to piggyback on that, that brilliant analysis of how we warehouse young people, poor blacks, poor Latinos, poor whites, and how they get the, the, the book, if you will, of the court system thrown against them. And the startling statistic that Nye spoke about, which is why Russell Simmons was arguing against those laws, those draconian Rockefeller laws um, in New York City. Hip hop has always been on that cutting edge, trying to speak to it even before Diddy's would vote or die. And when you talk about a person like Nas who's speaking, that narrative he put on his first album spoke to me so poignantly because in that, that letter, it's an epistolary form, it takes the form of a letter, but he's writing you know, to and hearing from his beloved in prison and they're sharing the pain and the heartbreak and the struggle. And Nas is trying to affirm him in the midst of his own difficulty even as he's acknowledging the lies in school books and lectures and all the things in official knowledge that's worked against the very people who are in prison to begin with and help get them there and help keeps them there. And the legitimacy, I think about what he said about, you know, young black people, Paul Ryan. Yet again, another reinvention of black pathology. Right. Lazy black men, get off your ass mm -hmm. and do something. Well, there's, there might be a lack of employment, but ain't no lack of work. <laughs> All right. right. They're getting the work in. Right. And the work is underground economy. The work is not above ground economy. So you provide limited opportunities and you stymie and squelch the opportunities for young people to be employed and then the underground economy looms large and then you punish them for participating in the very thing that is the only outlet for the most part um, available to them. So I think we have to deal with that and then to end this by, in terms of the criminal justice system, we have tonight here attorney Jasmine Rand, who is the attorney for, stand up Jasmine, the attorney for J Trayvon Martin is up in here tonight. Let's give some love, right? <laughs> So, right. And here you're talking about again, it's not simply what they do to us by putting us in jail or prison, it's the suspicion, it's the skepticism, it's the doubt about young black people. You know, we got Ninth Wonder and Mark Anthony Neal teaching at Duke University. That's what black masculinity is. We got Nasir Jones at 40, still killing younger rappers at 20, still murking them with the rhetorical finesse, right? Uh, so we got, a, we got a black man in the White House. And so, so for, for what that's worth and what it ain't worth. So the point is, <laughs> for real, but, what the, <laughs> but, but the point is, the point is, that black men in particular, black people more broadly, people of color even more broadly, and people in a particular class even more broadly, are struggling against systems of oppression, one of which is a criminal justice system manifest with the unjust imprisonment of our bodies. Uh, not only in prison, though, Dr. Peterson, it starts with sending kids to detention. It starts with third grade classes that are being scoured to see how well they're performing, to see how many jail cells we're gonna build. It begins with zip codes where kids live so we can determine what neighborhoods to racially profile. Right. So for me, when I listen to a guy like Nas, that's reporting on the front edge of the universe that we're trying to create and the suffering that we are enduring. When Chuck D said it's the CNN or the MSNBC <laughs> of hip hop, let's, let's give MSNBC some love, uh, then I think that's, that hip hop at its best is telling the truth about realities that we'd rather sweep under the carpet. Had we been listening to a Nas, mm -hmm. Had we been listening to N.W.A. back in 1988, right. we wouldn't have been surprised about police brutality and the vicious, uh, arbitrary forms of violence to which we are subjected. You know, that was amazing. But you know, when, when you say the N.W.A., at that time when they was catching so much flack right. because, you know, what they were talking about, I was surprised there wasn't more support uh, from people who would understand them. Right. And I was like, why didn't you listen, you know, to... Uh, to what they were saying. It's like if I told someone like uh, from Australia one time, they asked me about um, the states and California and Brooklyn. I'm like, if you want to learn about these places, you got to listen to Snoop's album. You, you want to learn about Brooklyn? Pick up Ready to Die. 
because they're going to tell you what streets not to walk through and <laughs> what streets to, they're going to tell you what's going on. Right. So, you know, the history is written by people who wasn't there for the most part. So we're here, like you said, on the front line, and you, you too, man, all you got, both you guys, we're, we're here on the front line saying what's going on. Yeah. I think I only have time probably for a couple more, but I have, to, before, I have a thousand questions in my head right now, so forgive me for, for, for that. Um, I, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the future of the music. I mean, obviously in your career, especially recently, you've been doing different types of music, different collaborations, really trying to explore different things. I mean, where do you see things going in terms of the sound of the music, the content of the music, especially in terms of like dealing with some of the issues we've been talking about tonight, social justice issues? And, and Doc, I would love for you to answer that question as well. Um, I, I don't see enough MCs who are brave enough to be honest. Um, I, I would like to see more of that. Can somebody quote that and tweet that out, please? <laughs> somebody, please, right now, live tweet that quote. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I, I'd like to see. Um, um, there's a lot of good stuff and there's a lot of bad in rap. Um, the socially conscious stuff can come off sometimes as preachy and whatever. So a lot of people tend to stay away from it. It ain't they bag. That's not what they do. Um, but still, they kind of have some kind of artistic responsibility to kind of do more than what's the, the latest trend. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I really, there's party music. There's more intense music. There's more. Um, techno style, rap or whatever. There's a lot of different people experimenting with rap music and that's, going, that's, going, that's great. I got into it when, it, of course, it was different. There was people like Chuck D, um, um, Eric B and Rakim, Slick Rick, and, and Coogee Rap and KRS-One <laughs> and all of these guys. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, the list goes on. Brand Nubians, Nice and Smooth, mm -hmm. De La Soul, Trout Call Quest. It's just the list goes on. So imagine me trying to get in that rap game like it's 19 years old. It was like impossible. Like it was like I had to do something that mattered or I would not have gotten that respect from them. And if I didn't get that respect from them, it was over. You know, but now it's a lot easier. And a part of it about it being easier that I like is that there's more poor kids making money. So I love that, <laughs> and, I, and I'm not against that, but I would like to see people remember it's an art form because the better we all become, we push each other to make, it, to make the whole art form better, and then we won't have to worry about who won the Grammy because this is not, you know. <laughs> Well, uh, we love the fact that Ninth won the Grammy. Did you win a Grammy? Congratulations <laughs> yes. to you. Yes. And nothing wrong with the Grammy. Yes. I love the Grammys. Yes. Of course, of course. I love it. Course, he deserves it, no doubt. But that's not and the, you that's deserve not the only, it. Sure. It's not the only concern for this brother. No, it's not the only that's, concern. that's my point. That's it should right. just really be um, um, more of a, a, a real, this should, it should be more talent, mm -hmm. you know? And, and, and socially conscious stuff was natural from criminal, uh, criminal minded album, KRS One, uh, Chuck D. Um, it was, they were, uh, even Slick Rick, he wasn't preachy when he said, Hey, young world, you know, right. the world is yours. Right. It was real honest stuff, real good stuff from the heart. And um, that's missing today. So I'd like to see that come back. It's missing, not. I can't say everybody's not doing it. There's a lot of good, there's a lot right. of great rap. But we hope to see more. See more, that. that's it, yeah. yeah. No, I, I think obviously uh, that's, that's an insider's view and that's well-spoken. Um, I, I think that, you know, often we get the, the artists we deserve, right? <laughs> In order to, because when you listen to the, the, the roll call of the artists that Nas cited, it wasn't just that his level of excellence had to match theirs, though that's critical enough. Those artists had to speak to a generation that wanted to hear something deep and profound. 
So when you're ready, Ralph Ellison appears. When you're ready, Toni mm -hmm. Morrison appears. When you're ready, James Baldwin announces himself. Mm -hmm. Alice mm -hmm. Walker comes forth. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like when I, you know, preaching. You want a great sermon, be a great audience. Be a great congregation. Say amen. Wow. Give me some support. <laughs> uh, have some theology that resonates with my divine orientation. Then we can have a, an imaginative you know, rendezvous between pulpit and pew. Mm -hmm. So the same thing with an artist. You want great art, be a great listener. Mm -hmm. That's why when I go back, when I go back, and, you know, I listen to Nas. There's some stuff, I've been listening to Nas that would have 20 years. And that's some stuff you still discover. Like when you go back and look at The Godfather. Mm -hmm. Look how they massacre my boy. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, oh, I didn't see Marlon Brando do that before. <laughs> I didn't see Pacino twisted like that. Right. That's a nuance because I've been watching it because uh -huh. there are goodies hidden there. Yeah. So when we hear Nas, Right, talk. I, I woke up early on my born day. I'm 20. The essence of adolescence leaves my. I mean, you know, you go back and listen to that. Like, damn. Okay, he's in response to my brother on the phone yesterday from prison. Said, you know, tell the God I said hello. Mm. He said he'll know what I'm talking about because he's, you know, in not Nation of Islam, but he's and um, not five percenter, but he's Dyson Bay. So his Moorish temple kind of analysis of the world through the prism of his own religious identity resonated with a guy 20 years ago who spoke directly to the crises, existential and political and social, that these young people were enduring. So to me, we get the artists we deserve. If we get this pablum, this souped up nonsense that some people putting out, Superman, that, well, you know, uh, <laughs> sorry, didn't mean to cite anything. Uh, but, <laughs> but you know, yeah. when you, you, you get what you deserve and if we're willing to be rigorous and demanding of ourselves, and you can't just get over because you you positive, because you get to be positively whack. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you got to have something to say, right? <laughs> it's like, and I'll end by saying this. It's like, you know, in the church when people say, I've been saved. I no longer do the devil's music. I tell you, the devil had better beats than you as a Christian, <laughs> right? Why does God get the whack stuff and the devil has the hot stuff? So, <laughs> what I loved about this, this wasn't a preaching at me like boom, but when I listened to what he's saying, that contains such serious, insightful engagement with the world as we know it, and he demanded a certain kind of excellence and rigor artistically that went along with his progressive politics. Because you can have progressive politics, but weak artistry, ain't nobody gonna listen to you. You can have whack politics and great artistry, everybody will hear you. But if you join them together like Nas did, whose world is this? The world is yours, you know? You know, another, another thing that you both have in common is that you both have influenced an entire generation for you of other artists who are deeply influenced by your work, you of other scholars, many of whom are right, right here. And people, how many people have taken a class with this guy here? Yeah, right? So, so but, but I, I wonder how, you know, and Nas, you can take this first. I wonder how you, pro <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder how you process that. <laughs> What's up? Got the Holy we, we are going to open there. up soon, I promise. Got the Holy Ghost I, out I, there. I wonder how you process that. <laughs> Speaking in tongues. <laughs> Thank you, Sorry. sir. Thank you. I, wonder, I wonder how you process that, you know, the, the influence that you've had on artists, or for you, the influence that you've had on a whole generation of, of young people. Man, I tell, you, I tell you, I'm really humbled by my man right now. He's, what he's saying, um, um, I, I process my, what I've had on other artists. Mm -hmm. I get it, you know why? Because the ones that came before me, what they did for me. So it's only natural that somebody's gonna hear me and say, yo, that inspired me because that's what we're here to do, inspire each other. If I haven't done that, I'm not doing anything. So, um, but it's still really humbling to, to um, to run into a few artists that I've run into that are really into what I was doing. And I tell them, I said, yo, I didn't have a stylus. I didn't have a budget. I didn't really, I had somewhat of a budget. I didn't have big videos. I wasn't guaranteed a video play. This was a different time period. So I didn't know that it would catch on to mainstream. You know, I didn't know. And, 
I knew that somewhat of the hip hop community would know this was some, you know, some good music, but I didn't know um, that it would come, become this. So I told, I tell them to block out the, the love, the commercial success, that love and all of that, and just go into where you were going. Don't, don't watch him too much doing this thing and don't watch that guy too much doing that thing. Cause I saw a lot of guys before me fall, fall like that. I saw them start to dress up like Biggie, put on the hats and the, and the Versace glasses and that was never their style. Right. And you know, so I would say just, just stick to what you're doing and, and you'd be surprised what's in you, the more that's in you that you have to get out there that we need. You know what I mean? That I need from these young artists because they inspire me too. So it's all reciprocal, man. So we, we, you know, we give to each other. We just give and, and take and, and keep the cycle going, man. Yeah, but there's a lot of people that can listen to you and really learn a thing or two. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, I let Nas down. I learned. Right? So I let Nas down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, J. Cole, yeah. That's, oh, yeah. man. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, he's someone who's incredible that I hear and I'm like, damn, this dude is, is he's incredible um, with his, so many good ones. Yeah, but, and, but the thing that, that, that rings out about that is that of all the rappers in the, I let Nas down, because Nas is the benchmark. Nas is the standard. Nas is the lyrical genius. La, Nas is the rhetorical creator. And if I let him down, that's the ideal I have in my mind. That's imprinted in my brain. That's burned into my consciousness. That's and the everyone level. can identify with it. Everybody knows immediately right. what it means when I let Nas, boom, you knew what that meant, right? right? That I, I capitulated to culture, or capitulated to commercial interests, or capitulated to the record design, or some A&R person trying to tell me what to talk about, as opposed to speaking about what comes from my heart. So that level of intense devotion to craft, again, is extraordinary. But when I see you know, young people that I've had the fortune of engaging with, like you, you know, I see you on TV, I was like, you know, I'm like you, I was like, damn, you killing that, man. I, I got to go back and dust up on my thing because, you know, the way you are spitting it so calmly, I'm more of an aggressively emotional Negro. Uh, <laughs> so I would be old Sharpton, you would be new Obama. And, you know, just killing him. I was like, all right. You, you, you. Peterson is just killing him softly. I, I like that. He's just murdering him. And uh, I'm so proud of you. I see Professor Paul Farber out here, you know, taking it to the next level in terms of what he's doing uh, with pop culture and writing and fusing entertainment journalism with the best theory. And Professor Monica Miller has written one of the most brilliant books on religion and hip hop that you want to check out. Both of these young people both have written about you, um, but just brilliant scholarship. And so when I see young people Produced, you know, I, I feel proud. One of the greatest compliments is somebody says, I don't know, that's your students, but they're getting you. Good. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to hoist them up. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to lift them higher so that they see further, so that they teach me. And I, I learn from you. I learn from Farber. I learn from Miller. I learn. Look, my, my, my stylist is here. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I ain't got no budget, but I got a stylist. So I'm balling on the budget, right? My man, my man Marv DeBarb, who's my who's my barber, he be spitting too. Uh, he, be, he be in the chair, just giving me giving me lines, man. I was like, I'm gonna have to steal. Okay, I'm gonna have to steal that. My driver, right. right? Who's told me? He says, you know what, Dr. Dyson, we have to have a transition hustle. I said, excuse me, say it again. He said, we have to have a transition hustle. Going from one thing to another, can't stay static. I said, I'm ripping that off. I'm borrowing it. I'm going to give you credit the first two times. But after that, <laughs> right? It's a Dysonian moment. Yes, the transition hustle is critical. So the thing is, if you're open, you learn from everybody. When you see your students and you see people that you've had the good fortune of influencing, like Nas said, then you learn from these people, we give back by giving to others who then can give to others and we keep that cycle going. So I'm proud of uh, uh, the people, 
you know, that I've had that opportunity to, to influence. You, you know what? It makes me think of something I said. Um, um, someone asked me, yo, how do you write? Who, are you like, what inspires you to write? I, says, uh, I said, well, everybody I like meet writes my material. Everybody I meet, people are singing songs to me and they don't know it. So I'm listening while you're talking and I'm listening. I pick, I do the same thing. You know, I walk down the street, somebody says something and it just registers and I'm like, that's a song. You know what I mean? It happens all the time. Yes, sir. So next album, Transition Hustle, part one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna come and spit with you, get with you. Even, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, Okay, we, we now he's need to definitely open. an MC. Yes, he is. He's definitely <laughs> he's an MC in a MC. body. Yes. yes. Oh, thank you, sir. Appreciate we, that. We need to open this up now. Again, there are people from Georgetown Programming who have mics. You need to raise your hand. Please, let me just say this. We would like to try to get as many questions in as possible. So please make sure you have a question, right? I'm serious. Please make sure you have a question. Um, and then they'll bring the mic. You don't have to stand up. Just keep your hand up. Uh, and they'll, they'll, they'll bring the mic to you. They'll bring the mic to you so that, so that you can ask your question. We have one in the back, I believe. All right, my name is Busayo, um, seventh grade. But, uh, Good evening, sir. Hey. <laughs> Um, I met Dr. Dyson one time through my granddad, Dick Gregory, but so I'm right. just happy to see you again. Wow. All right. yeah. Big yeah. up to your grandfather. Yeah. yeah, one of the great ones. Yeah, he's my hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your granddad. So one of my questions for Nas was, how has the change in the hip-hop affected how you look at hip-hop from the lens of being one of the greatest in the begin, not the beginning, but early stages? <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Yes, sir. Good, good question. Um, that was kind of deep. <laughs> Dick Gregory, sir. Through Dick the lens. Lens. That's Dick Gregory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, if you watch, if you take care of yourself, you might wind up sticking around for a few years. <laughs> and that's what happened to me. I just, I just knew when not to go to certain places, and I was lucky. And that's what happened. I was just lucky. And part of that luck was the old thing I had in me where I didn't want to disappoint my moms by getting arrested. That, that, that stayed with me. I, I feared my moms more than uh, the, the cops. <laughs> so. That stayed with me even as an adult, and she's in heaven now, but I'm still, I better behave. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So really, that's what it, that's what it was for me, just to, um, I thought, just stick around, and, what, and, and you might wind up somewhere cool if you just stay out of trouble. And that's all, I, and so far, so good, man. Hope that kind of answers the deep question you had, bro. Oh, okay. First of all, thank you so much for coming tonight. I was just wondering, um, we all know that your father is an accomplished jazz musician and you've collaborated with him on several occasions. I was just wondering, um, as you're in your development as an MC, how jazz as a genre and your father as a jazz music- musician influenced you? You said what about jazz? Like how, <laughs> sorry, how jazz as a genre and your father being a jazz musician, how oh, that influenced yeah. you at, in your development as an MC? I used to hate jazz. <laughs> yeah, I used to hate it. I mean, not hate it. Don't I won't say hate it. Um, I just it wasn't my thing when I was a kid. But it had a it had a it had a, a cool thing about it that I did respect, and it just felt like older people music. So it kind of made me feel more mature in a good way, more mature than the rest of my friends because their their fathers wasn't like jazz players or nothing. So I had that advantage in the household, the musical advantage, like, so it was, it, it worked out real good for me because um, I got to like look at his albums and break his albums and mess up the album covers. And, and, but I did look at the labels 
the labels, the record label names, the names of the artists, and it just started to seem like this really heavy thing that uh, these guys were playing instruments, and by playing instruments, they were like um, painting pictures like without words, and it was cool to listen to music without words, because sometimes with the words, they tell you what to think, they tell you what your mood should be, but without it, you just go into your own thing, and um, as I started to appreciate it later. And um, I then read a book on Miles Davis. Um, his autobiography is pretty crazy. And I started to find out about John Coltrane. But not only jazz, he let me hear Fela Kuti. And yeah. And, 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 and the rhythms, those rhythms in his music and um, the oppression in Nigeria and the, um, the, the freedom he, he, he demanded and his, his poetics was was crazy to me, so it helped me in a big way. Helped me, helped me big time. Yeah. Hey. Um, so you tweeted recently. Um, yes, I'm that girl. Um, that feminism is the woman's mafia, and as someone who self-identifies as a feminist um, and often has to justify her love of hip hop. Um, I actually see a lot of messages within hip-hop that resonate a lot with the feminist movement. Um, so letting the haters hate or turning pain into power. Um, and I was wondering if you could extrapolate on what you meant by that, and specifically um, if that relates to maybe issues within mainstream feminism. So, you know, there's a lot of talk recently, for example, about upper-class white women's feminism, right? So leaning in or getting women into the corporate boardroom as opposed to talking about the fact that two-thirds of minimum wage jobs are held by women. Um, so I was just wondering if you could extrapolate on that. Yeah. I don't like, I don't like extremists. Not that feminists are extremists. Um, but when I said that's the woman's mafia, everybody needs an army. Every organization, group, it's going to get grimy and bloody at some point, and everybody needs a mafia. And um, I heard there was a lot of people that wanted to know what I meant by that, but it was simple hip-hop jargon. Mm -hmm. When we say mafia, that's a good thing. We have to notice, like when a hip-hop artist says mafia, I, I've said it about myself, Biggie said, Junior Mafia. So when we say it's the woman's mafia, to me, that's like right on. Yeah. Like, a lot of people didn't understand what I meant, yeah. you know? So I, I was kind of so. saying, you, everyone needs an army, and I meant it in a positive way. I'm sure there are feminists that I don't really agree with, because it seems like there's layers that goes in anything. There's black nationalism that people have points of views in that that I'm probably not with. I'm sure I'm not with, but so and women who, who don't get a fair share in a in, in a corporate world and many worlds and and the court system with rape alone, you know how much you have to go through to prove that you actually were raped is a shame. So I don't like mistreatment of women. You know what I mean? I have a daughter, and if you guys gotta squad up, squad up. <laughs> I just want to say real quick, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I, I appreciate you, I appreciate you clearing that up, but I also just want to add to that, that you tweeted that out within days of having sat down with and met Angela Davis, who, who is legitimately a Don in, in the feminist movement. Right. I love Angela Davis. Angela Davis is the, one of the reasons I'm, we're here to have a voice, that you're here. Um, she's, a, she's my hero. She's one of my heroes. Um, I, was, I wasn't even thinking about her. I was having a conversation with a bunch of cool people, and we were, I also tweeted, I said, we were drinking some good wine, and I said, <laughs> hold up. I said, um, I tweeted first, um, just because the wine, this, a bottle is the most expensive bottle, doesn't mean it's the best. So, because we had an expensive bottle of wine, it tastes like shit. <laughs> so I really tweeted, it was literal. 
So the next thing we got into was a whole bunch of stuff and feminism was one. So I, I kind of thought like, damn, you, you guys need, you guys need a real, you guys need guns. You guys need like a crew, like you gotta really get the things that you want out here and make people recognize. So feminism is, you guys have your own mafia. That's how, kind of how yes. I meant it. And of course the next morning it was like, yo. <laughs> It was like, it was yo. Crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. So much respect to Angela Davis. I support her. If she call me right now, I'll jump on a plane and go wherever she's oh, at. Wow. I support her a million percent. Awesome. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yo, that's, that's dope. Is the mic on? Hello? Hey. All right. <laughs> Sorry. How you doing, Mrs. Jones? Uh, hey. So, um, <laughs> how you doing, sir? <laughs> so, so many people don't. That's Mississippi. Oh. So um, many people don't know. He's up there. Okay, so are we, who are we going to? Are we going here right or up there? Right oh, there. That was Balcony you? first. Okay, hold on for one second. Oh, I love that T-shirt though. Hold on. I don't know if you can hear. All right, here we go. All we right. can't, it's very hard for us to see you guys because the lights are shining on our faces. So sorry, but go ahead. All right, uh, Nas. From all the wisdom and the knowledge that you gain um, over your career, um, what's something that you would tell? Um, ether Nas or, or Illmatic Nas, what's some, what's some advice you would give him? Looking back, what's, something you would, what's some advice you would give your younger self about, just about life and career aspirations? It's so crazy to hear you say I have knowledge and wisdom. Mm. <laughs> I know some people who would beg to differ, man. <laughs> it's amazing. Thanks, man. Wow. That's like... No, um, you know, I say, what would I tell the old guy, the young guy, my young guy? I would say stay on course. Don't worry about nothing. Like, we worry about small things. And when you do that, they turn to big things, right? So just stay focused. Keep going straight forward. And you're good. It's not that hard. You know, you create your own problems. We are attached to illusions. You might be attached to something that, you, that you're really not attached to, but you think you are. Something that happened five years ago that you're still attached to and it's not even there, but only to you. So just go forward. Keep going. Have a good time. Laugh, smile. Laugh as much as you can and, and focus and go forward. That's wisdom. Well, well, well. Well, I think we. Yeah, over here. Did you lose the mic over here, young brother? Oh, okay. How you doing? Um, no, no, he was next, though. He was next. He was next right here. He was next right here. He was next. Hey, I don't. He was next. Everyone. Stop. Well, okay. hold on, hold on. Listen. Hold on. My man is next. I'm sorry, come on. We're gonna try to get through as yeah. many questions as possible. I know, it's all. All right, so um, many people don't know that your father is from Natchez, Mississippi. Yes. And I'm myself, I'm from Yazoo City, Mississippi. Uh, all right. <laughs> so, um, first of all, you're a true hero to me, and even more so, um, a hero to my father, who was 20 when. Um, the Bible came out, and, um, <laughs> and um, as J. Cole has said, uh, the, the, when the Bible came out, and I won't see my father until Christmas, and it would mean a lot if he would just uh, sign. Of course. So, Matt, I got you. And all <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love that he brought it. I love that he brought the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> Also, um, who said it, who called this the Bible was J. Cole. And uh, where do you see J. Cole in 10 years? <laughs> J. Cole in 10 years. <laughs> J. Cole is, is, is great now. Like, so to think 10 years is like, whew. like J. Cole is great now. And I think he's only going to get better and better. I can only imagine, you know, like he's someone who takes the art form really serious. He's a, every time I see him, he hits me up for stories. 
yo, so, so, so what happened when, you know, and, and I love telling him the stories, you know, so um, he's someone that's paying attention, so he, he, he really cares about this thing, so um, um, he'll be at the top for sure. He'll be a way, way, way at the top. He'll probably be number one, you know what I mean? Like, but, but before 10 years, I think he should be there. Yeah. Will you still be rapping in 10 years? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you you got to give a 55-year-old oh. hope. Come on, say yes. You know what? <laughs> I, I, I would. You know what? Because uh, a friend of mine um, had asked me that when we were uh, in our 20s. Mm. He said, you going to still rap when you're 30? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, 30, yeah. Yeah, 30's good. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I would because um, I would love to come out and you guys be there in the audience and we all older and, and we remember times like this <laughs> and I could put on a suit and walk a little slower, <laughs> have my glass in my hand, a little cigar. <laughs> That's G shit right there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So yeah. Yes. 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 Brother. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Hilarious. Are we back in the balcony? I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try it a second time. Uh, yes. So make sure we. All right. Um, so I mean, I grew up with my dad listening to N.W.A. Pac. Obviously, you. And for me, hip-hop was always about a rebellious nature, kind of like illuminating the American dream and the flaws within it. But as hip-hop has become part of the mainstream, you know, of all culture, do you think it's lost its rebellious undertone? Like, has it lost its responsibility to point out the flaws of the American dream? Like, do you see that being what it is today? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, um, definitely. Um, because the things that were around then are hidden now. The, um, the, the, a lot of um, the things that were going on now, uh, back then when N.W.A. and Pac was rapping, they changed, times changed, but the problems are still here. And so there's still a need for people to address those situations, but um, they're just not. One, two, eight. Nah, it's big, big fan, man. My kids grew up on you and everything, you know. Um, but one Thank of the you. questions that I had to ask you was this. The Lost Tapes, one of my favorite albums, dude. Thanks. What was your mind state in terms of, like, those were recorded back when you was doing the Nostradamus and all that. Wow. Was there a reason why you didn't want to put those songs out? Because those songs was deep, dude, and... They was all banging, Thanks. like all the way through. And I'm just curious, Purple. is there a reason why you didn't want to put them out during that time? Um, Biggie had put out his double album, um, Life After Death, and Pray For My Downfall, More Money, More Problems, What's Beef, 10 Crack Commandments, it blew my mind. So I wanted to do a double album. And, um, it, it, it was like a status thing too. Like, could you do a double album and charge people double? Because you're, you're that important, right? You're like, or you're that dope that people would buy a double. Because it was unheard of to do a double album uh, in hip hop, and, and Biggie did it. And it, too bad he didn't live really to see what would happen with this great music. So I wanted to do it, and what happened is part of, the, part of that album started to leak a song called Project Windows, a song, um, um, a couple of songs started to leak out. Papa and Papa was a player, yes sir. And a lot of these songs were leaking out and I was like, once they leaked, I'm like, it ruined the plan, you know? Cause I was still working on those songs and I was still trying to figure out what my double album would be. So once it leaked, I, I scrapped it and just moved on, but then I still had these songs. And then I called Ron Isley, come to the studio to sing on Project Windows and it just, took on another form and it's just like, wait, Project, yeah, Project Windows. I don't know if Project Windows is on the Lost Tapes. No. It's not. I, I put it on Nostradamus. Right. So, so those songs, 
lot of records, a lot. It's a, right, it's yeah. a big repertoire, bro. So, you're right, my man. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, you're right. Do some rag. of it landed on Nostradamus, do some rag. of it do rags on that stuff. Purple. Purple. Purple, yeah, Purple, yeah. yeah. That's, that's all lost tapes. Right. That's so one of the illest I needed a place to put it out. So there will be a Lost Tapes 2. Can y'all hear me? Oh, hi. Okay. So um, I know that we're discussing like the future of hip hop, and you were talking about hip hop in academia and in the classroom. And I wanted to know what your opinion is. We kind of touched on this, but your opinion about like trap music. And would you teach a class about like Migos and uh, Chief Keef and French Montana, or do you think like it doesn't have a place? You talking to me? Yeah. Oh, you talking to me? Okay, I mean, yeah. I want Nazi singing too. I'm sorry. Too, so, yeah. Oh, let me, let me get back in there. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a dicey question. That's a dicey. <laughs> Although not to say that Nas couldn't no. teach a class. You know what? Yeah. How about me and Nas teaching a class together? Would y'all dig that? Yeah. So, uh, that's so. That's so funny because uh, Colleen passed along a message from the Tribune today asking me, calling me to ask me about Chief Keith. Um, look, I'm, I'm a fan of some, look, I'm a fan of a lot of people that people think I shouldn't be a fan of, <laughs> right? Unapologetically, so I'm a Rick Ross fan. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from my nigga Diddy's view, okay. So, uh, so trap music to me, uh, as all forms of indigenous, local, regional music have to be paid attention to. Like for me, one of the greatest slept on artists of all time is Scarface. Mm. Right? Trap music before trap music. Trap music before trap music. Mm -hmm. yeah. The kind of psychological drama, the existential crisis, and the very beats themselves reflect the kind, I mean, listen to it, trap music. What does that even mean? Think about Tupac in terms of being, I'm trapped on his first album. Think about the, the logistics, the mechanics, the kind of interesting lyrical derivations from the beats themselves. So yeah, for me, I think about trap music, I think about Southern culture, I think about regional culture. I think that hip hop is so deep and profound and is not so brilliantly said full of words. Think about that. The, the wording of the world, in the beginning was the word. Right? So that Logos is the seminal creative force that articulates a universe. So when I think about the, 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 the power and the beauty of what happens there, every form of music itself has produced some interesting stuff and some trash. Yeah. But look, every form of music has trash. There's some trashy opera, <laughs> right? It is. Right. I mean, it's basically gangster rap in Italian. <laughs> but, but that's, all right. So, so the point is that, yes, I would definitely uh, pay attention to and teach classes on a wide variety of things because of the density of literacy that characterizes rap at its best and hip-hop culture at its best. So yes, I think that there are, there are classes need to be taught on that, on Southern, uh, on Southern culture and its relationship to uh, hip hop music, on the West Coast and what it's done. Think about what Ralph Waldo Emerson said, that, that geography is destiny. Now whether you ultimately buy that or not, the geographical underpinnings of particular aesthetic forms need to be paid strict attention to. So yeah, I think all of that stuff is grist for the mill and legitimate for those who can link them that kind of music to broader issues and culture and to broader themes in American society. Mm. Hey, I want to just add, uh, that was beautifully put, um, we need trap music because right. Chief Keefe is telling us what's up in Chicago. Like I was saying right. earlier, right. we could ignore it all we want. Hip hop is always going to be the voice. Yeah. And Chief Keefe is an example. He's a living example of the, the, the outcry that, that's happening in Chicago like, we need help in Chicago. Yes. And he's saying, don't, don't sweep it under the rug, CNN. Yeah. She, if you do, hip hop through Chief Keep is screaming at you that we need help here. Yeah. And the, 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 the French president is learning gangster rap he, for his uh, speech skills right now. This is in the press. He's being taught uh, gangster, some, uh, by a specialist in gangster rap how to boost up his speeches. So this is, this is really a crazy thing that's happening right now through gangster rap, where the French president needs to 
be heard more, so he wants to know how to do gangster rap. <laughs> Snoop Dogg. This is that. real. That's, that's beautiful. Falling back on that ass. What the hell up I do? Is the mic on? Oh, there we go. Uh, excuse me, Mr. Jones. I'm Marcus uh, from Oakland, California. And uh, shout out H103. Uh, so I just wanted to ask you about Ether, because uh, Ether is probably one of the, or is the best diss track of all time. Um, and I just, yeah, give it up for the man. Give it up for the man. Um, and so I just want to know about your emotion, both uh, when you were writing that, and then as you look back on it now. <laughs> That's the nature of rap, you know, there's, 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 there's competition, rap is competitive, or the nature of it, it used to be really, really competitive, MCs battling, and it was just a, a battle uh, with one of the greatest uh, lyricists who ever graced this planet, and um, I think you probably reacted to it because that was the battle of, for me it was, I kind of missed the Busy B versus Kumo D. <laughs> I was a little young, right. but I heard about it. I heard about right. that See, battle. Right. Right. I lived through MC Shan and KRS-One. Right. And so the fact that I would be in probably the next great battle of rap, I didn't know that would happen. Right. It just shows you, um, it's just like kind of like you take it serious as an art. I take it serious as an art. So that's the way I approached the song, like to take it, take hip, taking hip hop serious in a battle is what you're supposed to do. So that's what I did. Peace. Yeah, yeah. Uh, peace, God. Um, peace. Uh, so first of all, thank you for the inspiration that you've been to all the DCMCs. I'm repping Southeast. But my question to you is, um, uh, back in 09, you made a collaboration album with my, one of my favorite reggae artists, Damian Marley. Yeah. Um, distant Relatives. Incredible. And so that album for me showed me the power of black nationalism and spiritual unification as a people. And so um, I, I was watching this uh, interview with Kendrick Lamar, and he said that he wanted you on his tracks, uh, what is it, uh, Dying of Thirst, like uh, Sing For Me, Dying of Thirst. And um, he couldn't contact you. But my question would be, there's so many artists out here with lyrical abilities like Joey Badass and Kendrick, and I want to know if there's anybody in the, in the rap game right now that you see yourself collaborating with, and if so, can it please be on some Garvey-Eye stuff? Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm a Up fan of Garvey, race. too. I'm a fan, yeah, yeah, fan of Garvey. Um, that's uh, different. Um, to, act, to, to collaborate on that mat subject matter. It all depends on who I'm collaborating with and if they have the same love for him that I might have or maybe they might have a different idea. Um, um, I would really like to work with, uh, well, I like everybody you named. Um, a collaboration for me, though, would probably be Andre 3000. That's one of the coldest ever. Yeah, he's one of the coldest. Okay, we only have time for two more questions. I'm sorry. Two more questions. Hold on. I mean, who's Listen. saying we gotta go? You're, who's saying? Who's saying? Colleen is. Where is she? Listen, folks, you're gonna talk up the time that we have to get a Where's couple Colleen? more questions. Where's Colleen? Colleen was oh, right. I'll come back. Where's Colleen? Yes. Do we have to leave? Yeah. That's what she's saying. Well, hold on, hold on. Hey, where, where's Miss Colleen though? Where's Miss Colleen? Huh? Everyone, okay. please, peace. Hi, Nas. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Um, my question is, I'm sorry. Um, my question is, what's next for you? I mean, hold on. I'm sorry. I know we all know you. You're one of the greatest MCs of all time. But outside of music, what feeds you? So, like, what are your interests, or what do you do outside of music that keeps you going? Oh. Uh. Jamaican food. 
Jamaican. We just had some good food. Um, it was righteous. What feeds me, my son? Yeah, he's he's hilarious. He's like four. Um, just talk to him on the FaceTime with his shades on. Um, what else? Um, what feeds me, man? I like I like movies. Uh, kind of talk to me. Books. I just read something by James Baldwin that was really, that really blew me away. Um, original thinkers, you know, people with new ways of of uh, thinking and offering different things. They that inspires me. Um, I'm working on some TV stuff right now, producing um, um, some TV some stuff. To hopefully. Technology uh, startups I've now got, got into um, investing into technology. Um, I spent a lot of time in Silicon Valley now, and um, I'm learning about how to get more kids, like from where I'm from, um, into computer programming and, um, and into um, Invested. I want to teach them how to become do what I'm doing. You know, I'm invested in over 40 companies, um, various different kind of things that interest me, and because um, I, I believe in these startup companies, I believe that they are writing the writing future for us. Um, so yeah, I, there's different little things I'm into. It's the first time I probably really spoke in front of people about that thing. Thank you for that. <laughs> but that's something I want to talk about more. Just, what do you want to? So, but one thing before we get to these last couple questions, is there any way we can get a, another balcony question? And anybody, I don't think we have any questions up front. Thank you. Hey, let me say this before then. Nas is going to, he's already said he's going to come back. All right? So don't, yes, I know sir. you're going to feel disappointed that you didn't get a chance to talk to him tonight. But when his schedule permits it, we'll get an even bigger venue, fill it again, and then we'll get a chance to check, chat with him then, all right? Hi. What's up? So, right up here. We see you. Up, up, yeah. here, in the, up here in the balcony, yeah. right in front of you. We got right in front of you. It's blinding us, baby. Go on. Thank you. So my name is Rhonda Humphreys. I'm a highly effective educator in the District of Columbia Public School System and an emerging leader. Thank you. And early on in the conversation, you were talking about penetrating the minds of young youths. And every day I go inside and I try to penetrate the minds of 10, 11, 12, 13-year-olds. What advice do you have to keep us motivated? Because we have a lot of educators in this building who want to go back and implement that for Dr. Dyson and also for you, Nas. Right. Man, um, what they, um, for me it was different. The way I, the way I kind of educated myself, if, if you will, was um, I kind of taught my, I, I, I started to get into the history of the country. I wanted to know why things were the way they were. And you might want to start with asking them, do you know how you got here? How did your grandparents get here? Are you cool with your grandparents? Do you respect them? Do you know what they went through to get you here? Do you know what your grandparents' grandparents went through to get you here? You're here for a reason. You made it through something. Uh, you made it through the worst, one of the worst storms in human history. And you're here because they said, I'm not giving up. Because those grandparents and great-great-grandparents said, we got to make it and we got to feed our kids who became your grandparents. And your grandparents said, I'm going to feed these kids who became your parents. And now your So what do you owe back to that, that legacy? What do you owe back, and what do you care even about that legacy? And do you know who you are? So let's start there, young man and young lady. Do you know who you are and where you come from? And what your job is now, because we don't have any more time. So we have to start now with you, young man, you, young lady. I'm not letting you out of my sight until I see a change, period. 
Yeah, that's that's a. Is, is the, do we have a startup company over here? <laughs> what is that? Fifth. Hey, yo, Gabe. Let's see what he's talking about after this. And so, you know. Uh, all right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, hey. I, I'm that man. All right. <laughs> so I would say, I would say as, a, uh, as an educator, uh, besides the wonderful and, um, and really foundational questions that Nas talked about, you know, sometimes teachers get burnt out and they get frustrated because the fight is so big. You're on the front lines, too. So I would say, first of all, always understand you should take what you do with deadly seriousness, but you should never take yourself too seriously. Oh, man. You know? I always so, say <laughs> Yes. So the struggle is real. The war you're waging is concrete, and you have to really use everything at your disposal to change young people, but you can't think you're the only person left to do it. Because if that's the case, you burn yourself out, you exaggerate the obstacle, and devalue your ability to challenge it. So that's what I mean by taking what you do with deadly seriousness, but yourself not so much. Go to movies, listen to music, eat Jamaican food, have fun, <laughs> FaceTime with your babies. Right. So the point is that you have to feed and regenerate your soul in order to face another day's battle. That's number one in terms of self-maintenance. Gandhi said, if I don't take care of myself, I can't help you. Right. And if Gandhi said that, and Gandhi transformed the world, we should pay attention. That's number one. Number two, I think teach your kids stuff that excites you. Like, if it ain't exciting you, it ain't going to excite them. <laughs> Because if you ain't excited about it, they're not going to be excited to hear it. So you've got to find ways in which you challenge yourself to think, as Nas said, in terms of self-teaching, uh, self right? What we call autodidacticism, right, in technical terms. Look, when I, went, when I was out in L.A., I remember I would go to SOM Bookstore. They say, Nas just left here five minutes ago with a, with, a, with, a, with a bag full of books, filled up his car, right? That, that was constant, constant story. So, so the thing is, when you're constantly feeding your mind, when you're constantly reading and replenishing the source, then you get a sense of the largeness of the world you occupy and some of the resources you have at your disposal. So I think it's very critical for you to be on target in terms of what you have at your disposal. And then thirdly, I think that you always got to remember, my pastor used to tell me we have already come through what we've come to. That is to say, Things used to be a lot worse than they are now. So before we start bellyaching and kvetching about the problems we confront now, let's remember that there were people who faced enormous odds and who were able to overcome. Howard Thurman, the great mystic, said this, never reduce your dreams to the level of the event, which is your immediate experience. The thing you're confronting now must not exhaust the palette of colors from which you draw in order to paint your picture on the canvas of history. Never reduce your dreams to what you're facing now, because he said our slave foreparents said, this will not last always. So you've got to see beyond that. Never get caught, never become a prisoner of the moment, but become a prisoner of hope and vision. And then finally, I think, wow. always hang around young people too. The beautiful thing I love about teaching undergraduates and many of my undergraduates, Shannon and my brother from Mississippi and other people who were here, uh, Mashana uh, Garshi is here as a, a graduate student. W one of the things I love about teaching young people is that I learn so much. If you want to learn something, teach it. If you want to learn something, teach it. If you want to learn yourself, be a teacher. And so for me, uh, other people say, well, you can't do what you want to do, therefore you teach. That's not true. Teaching is a first-order business of engaging in the process of exposing new minds and fresh souls to the potential to expand. And if you take that seriously, what you do is just as important as a nuclear physicist, as a rapper, as a singer, 
as a dancer and any other entertainer on this world. You are doing something more important than anything. You are giving <coughs> new minds fresh opportunity to live inside their own dreams. And if you do that correctly, you can change the world. Um, uh, ladies. Do they know about the book you wrote about me? Do they, do they know? Yes. You know? You know this man wrote a book called Born to Use Mics? Anybody know? It's here, isn't it? It should is be it, here. It's this yes. book. Is Born to Use, Use Mics here? It's here. You can buy it That's right it. outside. Yeah. Oh, cool. The book Yo, is here. That book is about me, man. <laughs> <laughs> It's the only book ever written about me, man. And, and I, so this is my man right here. So, because it wasn't just fluff. It wasn't just, you know what I mean? Like, he may, I, can, I never finished the book. I was just telling him because it's so heavy that I was learning about myself reading the man's book. I had to put it down because I couldn't even handle me. Mm. <laughs> I couldn't even handle the way, the way he broke down what I was, I, didn't, I couldn't even deal with it. So um, I, I didn't know, like, yeah, um, no, you have it here, so yes, I'm going to get, I need a new one. Oh, myself. my man. So, will, 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 will we sign a couple of them before we leave you, then? Anything for you, man. Okay. Anything. Listen, we're going to sign, we're going to sign some books sign here, right? Um, I want to, I would like to thank Georgetown University, uh, President DeJoya. President DeJoya. President DeJoya. Uh, I want to thank the Georgetown, the Georgetown uh, Programming Board that helped to organize this and ran the mics. Right. Uh, I want to thank Kennedy Ninth Center. Wonder. Also, listen, I, I, I think we would be remiss uh, if we didn't thank the Kennedy Center for helping us to organize this and right, pull this together. Right. Uh, and last but not least, uh, I would like to thank uh, Dr. Michael Eric Dyson and Nasia Jones. Thanks, man. Thanks.